Prosecutors in Nantucket have dropped charges of indecent assault and battery in the groping case against actor Kevin Spacey, who, in a statement, said, Now I told you not to worry. I've been accused of a lot of things, but I have always been triumphant in proving that the truth is on my side. Now, you might not see me for a while, but don't worry. I'll be back. In a series of tweets, <laughs> President Trump told representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, and Ayanna Presley to go back to their home countries. Look, I'm not friends with the guy. I barely know him. I hu- have not hung out with him in years, said Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Because that's the. <laughs> and finally, Representative Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania told Vice News that he isn't offended by President Trump's comments about four Democratic Congresswomen of color because he's a person of color. Now, in a little bit, we'll show you a picture of Representative Mike Kelly. But you take a look, and he's very white. So the only <laughs> color he really should be is red. But if you look really closely, you're going to see some really odd coloring that's probably the result of having his head up President Trump's ass. Hey, Triple <laughs> starts now. <laughs> You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, in a special day and a special time, it is a special Trump report. I'm Christian Blatt, joined by Chelsea Galicia. Hello there. And Scott Moore, the hey. S-Man. Yes, hey guys. I appreciate everybody joining us at an mm-hmm. odd time. Now, obviously, being a podcast, your people subscribe. They might not know when right. we did this live, but there are mm-hmm. people who are in the live chat. And, and we love those We yes, love those we people. Do. We scheduled this because of all the great Mueller testimony that we got yesterday or earlier today, right? And, of course, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, we're going to get it next Wednesday, Mm -hmm. so we'll also be on at the same time next Wednesday, 5 Pacific. No, 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern. I was so quick with the math (laughs) that I did it wrong. (laughs) So, uh, and then the week after that is going to be the debate. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to see us on our regular night, uh, night slash afternoon for uh, a couple. Until until August. Until August. That's right. And, you know, look, and in August, the presidential election will only be, what, 15 months Mm -hmm. away. So we're going to be so much closer (laughs) to it at that point. Anyway, obviously a lot to talk about, as always. And I did want to start in an obvious place, which is first uh, President Trump's tweets. And I know when Tamara's usually here, she doesn't think we should pay much attention to his tweets. But the world kind of really pays attention to tweets when they come directly from the president of the United States. So what I wanted to do to start is read the three tweets because I had really just seen the middle one highlighted. It doesn't help. I'm going to give you a spoiler right there. But as we talk about it, I thought I should read all three of them. So this comes from President Trump. I think you know where he is on Twitter, but if not, good for you. (laughs) So he writes, So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, parentheses, even if... Now, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly, on to the second tweet, and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run... Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came, then come back and show us how it is done? These places (laughs) need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. 
I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. <laughs> so there's a lot wrong with this. Uh, three of the four women in question, who I did mention at the top of the show, mm-hmm. are all U.S.-born citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the corrupt government that she would need to go back to is the government of the city of New York, one that I think Donald Trump probably was able to circumvent mm-hmm. some regulations influence. during his time. Exactly. Yeah, I believe there's been some some influence mm-hmm. in, in there. Uh, you know, Rudy is one of his best friends, clearly. I, I, I'm, I'm not al- alleging anything except for what I'm alleging. <laughs> so... Obviously, and, and, you know, look, she had a, a good line about it. Uh, she was just, you know, so first of all, her ethnicity is Puerto Rican. So even if you were saying she should go back to Puerto Rico, that's also, and he's yeah. shown before that he doesn't know that that's part no. of the United States. And in case anybody in the chat mentions, yes, I know, President Obama once misspoke and said there were 57 states, right? I find that funny too, by the way. I find that very funny that anyone running for president would say 57 states. I don't think it's a consistent problem, but it, it's still yeah. funny. So at least he uh, added more, you know? <laughs> yeah. He wasn't taking away. Yeah. What if he's like 47 states? I'm like, wait, which ones did he get rid of? Who did he, who's he planning to sell? So uh, there are differing reactions to this, uh, including one that I read just a short time ago. Uh, but first, President Trump said he, he wouldn't apologize for these tweets because a lot of people agree with him. And his son, Don Jr., doubled down and said about 95% of people agree with him. I think that's a, that's a fairly high number on, mm-hmm. on something that, you know, even if you're right, you probably don't say it out loud. So there are, of course, other reactions in the Congress and all that. But we always talk about on the show how hard it is to be surprised by something that, and I was going to say comes out of the mouth of the president, but I guess it comes out of his fingers. But, you know, <laughs> it, 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 that's how he speaks. And Those little tiny those, fingers. <laughs> that's right. Those tapping away. Those, on the- <laughs> those minuscule baby hands that he has, you know, typing away. Yeah. And so, obviously, we like to say that we can't be surprised, but uh, I'm going to say this was surprising. That it, the the level, the, you know, that, that that's what it was. And we'll talk sort of about the politics behind this. But we're, I just want to start with instant reactions. And Chelsea, when you heard that he said something along these lines, did you think, well, I need to see it? Because there's, he wouldn't have possibly said for them to go back to the, the country they came from when they all, except for one, came from this country, right? No. No. I, I oh. was not surprised at all. In fact, when Trump was elected... Um, I think the very first conversation that I had with my mom after that, my mom who was born in Mexico and who is a United States citizen, uh, I asked her, are you afraid of what people are going to say? Things like, go back to where you're from, because I've been around where people have said that to her. Um, And, you know, my mom works to be enlightened is like, no, that's, you know, their problem. And it, it doesn't bother me. She's, I guess, over nearly 60 years of life grown a thick skin and it doesn't bother her but it does bother a lot of people it does hurt a lot of people as is understandable our reaction to be surprised by it i guess is futile we should i believe speak out against it and at the same time highlight ways that we're going to address this sort of it's like systemic racism when it's being spoken by the leader at the top. So I just wish that in the discussions about this, we would be speaking more about the policies that illustrate that this is not just a phrase that's said, but that it's actually become 
as part of how we govern, redlining and things like that. So uh, I just wish that the conversation brought in a little bit more policy and like what's been proposed. And, you know, I understand that Democrats are not in charge and so they can't really control what's being um, brought to up to vote on, at least not in the Senate. And it's kind of futile to go through that whole exercise in the House when you know it's just going to be ignored in the Senate. So uh, it, it's an opportunity to talk about the history of racism, how it's not really past, it's still ongoing, and how we need to address it. Um, I think when we have things like, um, you know, Eric Garner's, uh, the officer who, I, I guess I can say killed him, you know, there's not going to be any federal charges. All those kinds of things just get the sense that we're not really doing anything or caring very much uh, about um, people of color in this country. And so uh, I, I think this, let's, let's not just get caught up in the hysteria of, can you believe he said that? Yes, he said it. We address it. We condemn it. And then we also talk about policies that we need to implement to help address this kind of problem that is spewing out of the president's mouth and showing up in everyday Americans' lives. Uh, Scott, I've been saying for years that you should go back to where you came from, which is Florida, mm. but you haven't listened yet. So no. here you are, which I appreciate. Uh, I'm glad you didn't listen to me. But uh, you're sort of same question to you. So when you do you see these tweets or do you just sort of hear reporting of like, wait, he said what? Or, or how do you first find out that uh, that this is what's out there? Um, I, I usually check. I don't follow him, but right. I, I'm always like, what kind of disaster is happening this morning? And always the first thing that comes to my mind is what is he really distracting from is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these came out, I, you know, I, I thought, OK, well, lead by example, send your wife back to Slovenia. So if you're going to talk about, you know, saying these are not racist, but yet you have a wife who came from another country, it, it's just downright embarrassing, I think, for not only us as a country, but what does the rest of the world look at us now that you talk about us being the, the best country in the world and, and everything, but yet you say such ridiculous, stupid things. And I, I don't know if there was a distraction there uh, from something bigger that he's trying to you know, bury under the rug. Um, or if this is some tactic where, again, he thinks this continuing dividing of everyone will gin up the support of his cult of 20% of people that are going to go out and vote for him, and he somehow thinks that this is going to continue to be a winning strategy for him. But I think that the more that he does things like this, the more that he's going to be mistaken because he won by such a fluke in Electoral College. It's not going to take a lot of people that are like even sane Republicans that are going to be fed up with this uh type of crap in the way that we're being represented not only in our country but the rest of the world and the only thing I would say to Chelsea is I even though I agree that the house won't be able to do much I think it's important for them to vote on things and to bring it up so when it comes to election time to say look if we had a unified democratic senate and even beyond the president that we could make some real systemic changes and these are the things that we have voted on that have been thwarted by the republican senate so I think it is important, like, for instance, today, I think they are actually going to be doing impeachment uh, votes later today on just this mm-hmm. situation with the tweets, because obviously we're waiting for the Mueller testimony. I, but, I agree. But I amend my opinion it, to conform with Scott's. It, it, I, I just think it's important that we can come with a track record to say, this is what Democrats have done, and if we can have a unified uh, government with the Senate, we can actually make real changes and that we should not be 
putting up with this type of nonsense anymore from someone who's, you know, supposedly being the president. But the, <laughs> term loosely. Then here's another concern, and I'd love to hear how you address this. Then the concern becomes, so, you know, white middle Americans are saying, okay, well, this is all great, but how is this helping me? I'm being forgotten again. And so the Democratic Party isn't the right party to represent me. And so then we get hyper-focused on race. So it's like, yes, we need to bring it up and how we're mm-hmm. going to address it. And then at the same time, we need to bring up also how doing so is going to help every Everybody. American, exactly. and not just people of color, so that we don't further divide right. us by race. But I think the equally more dangerous statement that is included in that series of tweets is that if you are upset, if you don't like this country, to imply if you have any grievances, mm-hmm. then just leave. Right. Uh, and I think that that's uh, the the more like the coalescing phrase or statement in mm-hmm. here that is he, I think he thinks is going to help him in 2020. Like, right. listen, if if you at this point have any complaints mm-hmm. about this country, leave. Doesn't matter if the economy that I helped, um, I don't know. It's been really, you know, not helpful to the mm-hmm. majority of Americans um, because I haven't done anything really meaningful on opioids because I haven't done anything really meaningful on health care. Um, at this point, if you don't like it, leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how that is inspired. I mean, I guess is that just tr- trying to tell Americans you should just like shut up and disengage from the political conversation? Because if you engage in the conversation and any part of you wants to improve something, you're just complaining and you, you, there's the border you can leave. Well, that's what I took it as is that it was more of a, oh, well, everything's so great. So what are you complaining about? And if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. And then ginning up again that support. Of that, I, I use the term cult, but basically the 20% or so that will never turn their back on him to feel a bit more enemy. Like, yes, everything is great, and if you think there's issues here, then go leave and go to a socialist or communist country. It's how I basically worded it, which, again, you are correct. It is dangerous because we have a right as Americans to be able to have issues with our government and air those grievances freely and our president and member, you know, and that's a, a fundamental right. And again, it's more of that dictator type mentality of like, well, if you don't like it, you know, go somewhere else because I've, you know, it's, it's, it's washing. That's the conversation that I'm like, I can understand some Republicans are like, oh gosh, I don't want to touch the race Mm -hmm. thing. I don't want to get trapped in the identity politics thing. But at least they can say it's un-American to suggest that Americans should leave the country if they have any grievances. Mm -hmm. I am in Congress because I believe that we need to change the direction or improve the direction of where this country is going. And so it is un-American to say you shouldn't have any grievances or complaints or desires to change or improve this country. That would have been an easy thing for them to disagree with and come out uh, against him. Well, I basically wrote back to him on Twitter just to to the group and everything of of people that may see it and just saying, you know, this new shtick that he's basically trying out is already tiring and boorish because it's just like another thing to divide people and distract and, and you know, from the real issues going on. So, well, I, I think that, uh, that it is much more calculated than mm-hmm. it seems just sort of the moment of like, this is a great time to be racist. And mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the uh, 20% thing because I think that's very, you're giving America a lot of credit. Uh, we haven't <laughs> talked a lot about this on the show, but the yeah. way I see it right now, this is the God it's not based on. I think there's about, 40% of the people who will not vote for him no matter what. And there's right. about 
about 40% of the people who it doesn't matter who runs against him will. So I feel right. like we have this margin of about 10%. And I'm just talking about 10% of people who actually vote, not 10% of the population. Right. I'm talking about voters. So there's this fine line with these the 10%. And it's very easy to sway just what you just need 50% plus one vote, right. really. It's all he needs to get. And yes, if they're, if they're looking at the electoral map from last time, from 2016... I'm sure that there is a strategy. You can say what you want about him and the people that he hires and, you know, all the scandals they end up. But there are enough of them that can look at a map and figure out where they should campaign and what issues are going to work. And I think what this effectively does is it raises the issue of look at these four women who, when you discount the race just for a moment, they have somewhat radical policies. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say these are the Democratic Party, you know, and – Nancy Pelosi hates them. And so you, you're, you're doing a lot. You're sowing the, the discontent within the party. But you're also saying like, yeah, you know, you don't like these women, you know. And when in the debate, when they asked the question of who would give free health care to illegal immigrants, I understand. Terrible question. Oh, terrible God. question. Yeah. But they all raised yeah. their hand. Yeah. And uh... that's going to be in a campaign ad because it's like, look, all these people want that. And I think – if you don't raise your hand and you have a really good answer as to why you didn't, you might not get asked. So I understand being put on the spot like that. But you're starting to see that that's what the narrative is. And you're starting to see why people look that, what, 24 people are running for for president and, you know, you think maybe two of them have a chance. But depends on the day as to, you know, what they've said and what they haven't and who they've hugged and whose hair they've smelled as to whether or not you think that they might win. So it, 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 I, I think that, you know, and look, it, I was reading an article that uh, white nationalist organizations love these tweets. They're writing about how, see, we told you Trump was our guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you don't condemn them. You know, you're just like, hey, look, you know, a lot of people voted for me. What can I say? I don't, I don't vouch for everybody. But you don't actually directly say it. So, you know, he's obviously still their guy. I don't, excuse me, I don't know who else would be. Mm-hmm. So we have Nancy Pelosi. This was yesterday. Uh, this wasn't this morning, right, where she yes. actually condemned the comments. And I think that it, it, it's very interesting that we live in an age where you can say to someone that, by their language, they have disparaged the office of the president and it should be stricken from the record. When I, I think, I, I don't remember, and one of you speak up if you do, I don't remember a president ever swearing before at a, at a you know, once he's elected, mm-hmm. uh, a, a rally or, you know, in a press conference. So I, look, I, 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 you know, I think that the office of the president is is not what it once was, and you can you That's can an you can yeah. po- you can point to Bill Clinton if you want to. Sure. Absolutely, I, you know, you can argue before that, but certainly yeah, at that point, right. you, there's things that happened literally in the office of the president. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts though on how likely do you think it is? I'll ask you first, Scott. That this is all this is all part of. Not Trump's, but someone's yeah. someone's plan of like yeah. now these are the faces that you're seeing that and and don't forget everybody who raised their hands about giving free health care to illegal immigrants. I'm sure they all meant after every American gets free health care. And, and of course, we already know that again, giving free health care and helping immigrants also strengthens Americans because if people aren't sick. You know, people are dying. If everyone has access to good health care, that makes us stronger as a community and stronger for working and everything else in the economy. So 
it, it's um, you know it's, again people aren't thinking comprehensively enough on what that means it's not just giving free stuff away it's basically helping the entire country raise up to a higher level when you're taking care of everybody and getting everybody out to be able to be able to work and have full employment um but that said yes i i do think of course everything you know my first thought like i said earlier was what is he really distracting from and then also like you said these are very polarizing figures in the democratic party in general who have very high unfavorable so of course it's easy to you know put them out on, on a pedestal and bring them up and, and well not pedestal that's the wrong word because no, obviously no, but, bring them but highlighting those people because of their high unpopularity for those exact areas in maybe swing states and areas where he barely won that have high white populations. So of course there is a gross tactic behind it, but it's it's like I said, this next election is gonna be the dirtiest we've ever seen. We thought twenty sixteen was bad, but it's gonna be a whole other level. So yes, there is definitely is a a tactic behind it and because he's been able to get away with it all this time he continues to be able to do it. Now, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into the whole parliamentary thing that happened with Pelosi. We can yesterday. talk about that too, sure. But let's also be honest, that was a political stunt by of Republicans course. because they have no other leverage uh, in the House. So it was a stunt uh, that was used to bring up something. And of course, it it, did, it failed to pass to be stricken from the record. But again, it wasted time. And, and, and you know, now they're having this internal argument between Republicans and Democrats to get away from what was really happening. And it was something that actually came back um, from the 1800s. It's no longer even used in the Senate. It's used in the House now. Um, And it basically came from the days of Jefferson in a way of being able to, based off of British Parliament. And it was basically saying you can't talk ill of the the king or queen. Um, And and again, it's silly, and, and it's an old rule, and it was used politically and they it has been used quite a bit which we haven't really talked about since 2016 the funny thing was is, is when republicans had control they were you know condemning democrats a lot in the, in the house but it, it i think it was used back with george w bush i forget which congressional uh, person it was but you know they had actually called george w bush racist at some point and i'm sure it was back with katrina or you know something in that time period but it hasn't been used that much i believe they censured kanye west (laughs) for saying that he didn't care about black people yeah so i I, it's kind of a silly rule and it's been in effect for 180 years at least but um i love scott's history but but it is a very uh it was a very silly stunt and i'm glad that it actually didn't get stricken from the record because i do believe it's important kind of going back to what we were saying earlier that we should be able to also, as a member in the Congress, as a separation power, should be able to criticize a president. It had nothing to do with the office. It was condemning the remarks said or tweeted, in this case, by a president. So to me, that's a differentiation than than just calling, you know, this current president um, an asshole or something, which, you know, is very different on, on the floor than saying, oh, we're condemning his remarks of what he himself wrote or said is, is a very different, to me, Okay, so of course it was a political stunt, and uh, we have some more interesting votes today that are going to be happening, which will be... Well, yeah, and there's obviously the movement. Uh, it's funny, I, I haven't seen uh, Al Green's name on TV so much, and then I realized it's not the singer, so it wasn't... I, I didn't quite know why he was trending. Actually, that, actually I believe he passed away. But anyway, he wanted to... Mm-hmm. So the, the congressman, uh, Al Green, wanted to vote on impeachment, and Nancy Pelosi has... F- I would say distance yourself from it. I think it is always distracting, but I guess if you feel like it's important enough, let me ask you very directly, Chelsea, is it worth taking this vote, even though it is completely 
is completely for show that you're going to you know vote for impeachment over what what apparently only five percent of the population considered to be racist. That's according to yes, Donald to, Trump to, Jr. Yeah, in case you missed Trump. what I said earlier. I think it was it, it was uh, DJJR. I think it was uh, DJTJR. Uh, <laughs> my my concern is that, is that you have a vote on every um, impeachable comment conduct that would be all that is happening. So I think if we're going to vote on it, it should be for some of the. Um, probably more heinous things that he's done. Um, this remark, these tweets are offensive, but I think um, there's many other things that are probably more impeachable. So let's not waste those votes on this perhaps impeachable, but like less impeachable if there is a spectrum of impeachable offenses. I, well, I'm pretty sure and and Scott seems to know these things better than I do. I, I don't think you can be impeached for being racist. I, I, I'm fairly sure we've had racist presidents before. And they... Wow. they <laughs> yes. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name any of them. But I feel like there might be one or two, if, if I have to guess. You know, I, I think... <laughs> Although I guess that it's been disputed as to what he actually said, but I, I know Birth of a Nation has a quote from Woodrow Wilson in the beginning of it. Right. So, you know, you can say, you can take from that what you want. But uh, what were you going to say, Scott? No, I was going to say, I mean, it, one, it goes back to there really isn't anything that clearly defines what is considered impeachable. So that does give you some more leverage. But in this case, I do agree with you, Chelsea. I think if we are, it becomes like the Republicans voting to repeal Obamacare when, when President Obama was in office. It's like, okay, are you just going to do this every single time? You're going to have 57 votes every time he should be impeached. I agree that he should have been, you know, they should have had the, the vote yesterday for considering that this was not appropriate, um, you know, like censure, and and then move on to that. And then let's see what happens with Mueller yeah. and his testimony. And then talk about some of the other things that do really potentially go to the threshold of being impeached and having the inquiry, and like I've said all along, it's important, especially to uh, the majority of Democrats are going to be voting to feel passionate that their leadership is going to stand up against this president and not let him get away with things and not just wait for people to vote if there are real issues to be had. Because, yes, I do believe that it would be politicized and turn around and see, look, at the Democrats are just wasting their time voting on impeachment and bringing in people for subpoenas and testimonies and um, not doing the job of what the people have voted them for. But part of what they were voted in for was to put a check on this administration and the president. So there does need to be balance. And I do agree that depending on what happens with the testimony next week, that could give more leverage to allow them to vote for impeachment. But I think it was good what they voted for yesterday, you know, basically admonishing him for his remarks. And now we, we should probably move on and not yeah, vote I mean, impeach he, him he, over that. He specifically though- spoke about four Democratic members of the House. So I think for the House mm-hmm. leadership to speak Absolutely. up, you know, you'd you'd like to feel that it would have happened that way if it had been Republicans. who were. And speaking of Republicans, there were four mm-hmm. who voted for it. Will Hurd of Texas, Fred Upton from Michigan, Susan Brooks of Indiana, and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. There are only four. That's why I'm well, all the names. <laughs> well, and Justin Amash, now who's an independent. Oh, yeah, that's true. But what I, what, what I also had responded to, you know, one of Trump's uh, tweets again was like, oh, look, you know, the Republicans are so unified. I'm like, no, you had four cracks. We had zero that voted <laughs> against in the Democrats, which, again, is nice spin. So technically, there were more cracks within the Republican side than there were in the Democrats. They were solid 235 to nothing, which, and, you know, definitely outweighs four or five people that voted from your side for it. So 
regardless. Imagine, imagine yeah. that gaggle with reporters, the Democrat yeah. that was like, no, I didn't really feel like yeah. it was that bad. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, so, so that's a big difference, which, of course, he doesn't tweet about. But the fact was no Democrats crossed over the other side, unlike Republicans. So regardless, yes, it, it was rather, again, split parties. But there were still several Republicans that that did find that, you know, questionable enough to vote and none for Democrats. So. And the so the four women that he went against, and we've said their names before, but we'll remind everyone: Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, mm-hmm. Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, and Ayanna Presley. Who I'm going to be honest, she's not on the same level as right. the other three. And it's really Cortez and Omar who are the ones that you see the most. Not mm-hmm. not that you don't, but right. look, they're very carefully selected as to why they were called out. But it it was interesting. I was like, I had to look at like, wait, who's the other one? Because it didn't stick in my ear, mm-hmm. I, but. So I think that obviously, like I was saying before, these are ones that have at least very high negatives, maybe with independents, but certainly with Republicans. These are probably amongst the people that if they, I don't know, if they watch cable news or they listen to talk radio, these are going to be people that they hear a lot about. And uh, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people agree with the idea that we can have differences of opinion. I don't know much about Ilan Omar, but I think everything she's ever said about Israel just makes me shake my head. And I'm like, I don't think I like what she's saying, but I don't know her. I don't know that much about her. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I mean, she's kind of an easy punchline because she's she's young and she's so excited. And, you know, she gave, <laughs> Tamara always gets mad when I say this. She gave one bad TV interview. Tamara says it wasn't that bad, but I think it was pretty <laughs> bad. And, and th- that kind of has set the tone for her. So I think, I, look, I understand what it is, but... The I, I understand picking them. I don't understand saying that they should go back to. So uh, Omar's the one from uh, from Somalia, right? Right. Yeah. I want to make sure I didn't say the wrong one. Right. Because to me, it, it I don't know. It, it's it's not. I'm I'm not pretending that I that I don't know. I I just want to make sure that I was yeah. right that it, it was her. So. I, I, look, that's that's an that's an old line. It's like if you don't like it, get out. I mean, I've yeah. heard you know people running for office have said that. Uh, you've certainly heard you know, talk show hosts, radio, television, say all sorts of things like that. That I didn't hear, well, maybe I wasn't listening for it, but I didn't hear Democrats saying that to Republicans in the Obama years. Did I miss no, somebody? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you heard it, you heard it then. Uh, but, you know... No, I, it's old, but that's why I said it's tired and boorish, because it is old. And, it, I mean, and, it goes and, much and, further and, back and than that. Yes, yeah. which is just his M.O. But, you know, the other thing about Omar is that she came over as a teenager. It's not like she yeah. came over from Somalia when she was, you know, 25 or something and was an adult. She's come over here. She's grown up here, you know, and she is a naturalized citizen now. So, again, it's just... It, 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 there were ways that he could have done it without it, but you're absolutely right. He did it because he knew they had high unfavorables with independence, and they're polarizing... And they're the type of figures that are going to get his white base in places like Alabama and what he's hoping for, you know, in some of the swinger states, swinging states like Michigan. <laughs> swinger states? <laughs> like Michigan. Yeah. Look, and I'm sure there's a lot of swinger states that's I'm pretty, all I'm pretty sure Trump's going to lock up the swinger states. Yes. I'm just, I just had to guess. I just, but not those, based on anything. The swing states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, you know, and Wisconsin – that would be more likely to be like these are the polarizing figures that to them would represent the Democratic Party. Although they they all voted heavily Democrat in twenty eighteen and uh, all have Democratic governors. Um, so you know, I, I, I don't know if it's going to work as well as he thinks. Um, they're, they're they they feel that it's 
I think to, in their opinion, it's too late to now try to be anything else but being the dividing person. Hope they can just eke out another win in the way they did it before. But again, I think again, a lot of people that on the other side that might have sat out in 2016 are not going to be doing that this time. So it could definitely work against them as well. Uh, obviously, I, well, not obviously, but for us here on the panel and for uh, people who aren't Donald Trump Jr., th- it's very easy to construe the comments as racist. I don't think we're going out on a limb with that. But I wanted to ask you, Chelsea, is by selecting four powerful, outspoken, and they're, they're all relative, what, none of them has been around for more than a year and a half, unless I'm mistaken. They're all they're, freshmen. They're, you're all right. freshmen. They're all freshmen. They're so, all young. Yeah. Right. So they're not, not particu- women. they're not particularly they're powerful. That's, yeah. what was, that's actually what I was going to bring up, though, is that they're all women. So in addition to being racist, is it also sexist pointing out, look at these loudmouth women. They should go back to where they came from, the kitchen. You know, not that he actually <laughs> said that, but you know, just look, wh- raise your hand if you think that would have been a surprise. No. Oh, look, no. I'm not even going to give you time to raise your hand no. yeah, because yeah, <laughs> they should go back to the countries they came from. And in the kitchen yes. in that country. Right. Uh, so uh, do, do you feel that it's also that it just happens to be that these women are the ones with the negatives? Or is, is that also, is he also going for like, all right, we got the white nationalist vote. Let's see if we can get the angry white guys who, you know, the, the what, the incels, the people who hate women. You know, mm-hmm. is, is it calculated on that level too, you think? Do you think it was I a wouldn't question. put anything mm-hmm. uh, past him? Although I can't think of, um, are there any men who are as outspoken progressively? I mean, he, de- he definitely didn't say that to Bernie Sanders. Go back to where he came from, or even Cory Booker. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I, Cory Booker is the, literally the only person I thought. I guess you could say something to Kamala Harris. I, but, I mean, you know what I mean. There's not that many. There's not that many other people. We well, already he already did that with Obama. So I yeah. mean, it's like it's not that he wouldn't. So, um, but of course that was at the presidential level, and everyone else. I, I mean, are, are still contenders. But it it is interesting that you brought up because the women thing is a. I mean, in general, I wasn't even thinking about that, but it's true. It's not only were they you know minorities, but they're women. Um, and if it felt like it was easier to be able to mm-hmm. make a comment about them, especially to the, the, the base that he's targeting. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it does raise a lot of issues again. Like, and it wasn't really totally joke, but, you know, like Melania Trump, oh, because she's white. Like, my grandmother and most of her siblings came over from Europe uh, during my lifetime and, you know, became U.S. citizens. And you think about that, and so it was enough to, I know, family members that were not born here that came over here later and um, contributed to the society. And it's just, again, going back to this insulting, disparaging comments, even more so when when these women were born here, um, is just, it, it's just, again, it goes back to just being sickened and embarrassed by it, not only for us, but the rest of the world that we can't claim that we're, you know, the, the, this great country keeps saying when, when you're making comments like that and it's disgusting. Well, there's a uh, lively conversation going on in the chat. And uh, it's, uh, well, uh, someone who uh, represents himself as, uh, as being British has a lot of opinions. Uh, I think things are going very well over there. So it it makes sense for you (laughs) to be looking at the problems in America and telling us what we should be doing right, because there are no problems in the UK. Everything's great. I'm glad that I'm, I'm sure you're very happy with the way that uh, Brexit played out and, you know, everybody can move on. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, I, I look, you've solved everything over there, you know? So, uh, and uh, that's great, though. I actually always enjoy this. And our friend, R. Scott Brown, is there in the chat. And uh, I was telling Chelsea and Scott that uh, he changed his plans when we were on at a different time. We are honored. Yes. So I always appreciate that. Yes. Anyway, we welcome all the debate. It's There's too much to really mm-hmm. summarize. But uh, I thought it was very funny, the, the person who's like, what? I'm British. I, I, anyway, I hope that out of this conversation um, that we can look to ways to help reconcile sort of the two emerging wings within the Democratic Party. Um, Otherwise, we may have a moment like the Tea Party, where the Tea Party uh, emerged from the Republican Party, had its moment, and then now has kind of died. Is it fair to say that the well, movement Well, I think that what the Tea Party was good at was getting candidates into the primaries, you know, and, and it was uh, the one who ran against uh, that ran against Harry Reid. I can't remember her name. Uh, but uh, there was there was Christine O'Donnell in Delaware mm-hmm. who had the commercial where she made sure you knew she wasn't a witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so you had a lot of these figures who I think that they've certainly managed to parlay media careers. But I I don't think that... I think that the problem was that those candidates didn't work on a national level. So I think... Well, you still have some of them like Ted Cruz. Yeah, that's true. Tea Party. Uh, but the reason that I say that is that we should uh, uh, take a lesson from what happened on the other side and and, and reconcile the sort of the, t- the two wings. And I see a way to do it. Um, and it, it is actually... I, I don't think that either sort of wing, the moderate or the progressive, um, is liking the corruption very much. And so the focus should be on cleaning up the corruption, which should be cleaning up money and politics. I think that we should actually, on the left, not, I don't know if I should say the word table, but but let's, let's imagine that we, for a second, put aside Medicare for all and that idea that is being linked with socialism and just say, why don't we first undo the influence of money on our politics, in our health care, and then look back at the laws that we've got, the regulations we've ha- we have, and roll back the ones that were placed there by these really influential lobbies for pharmaceuticals, hospitals, um, and, and the other aspects of health of healthcare. I, I, I don't see why that shouldn't be like the go-to thing that we all just say, let's go first, clean up the situation. Mm-hmm. Because let's say we do do have Medicare for all. You're going to have Medicare for all on top of a corrupted system. Mm-hmm. So let's clean that up first. Then let's get people back involved in politics where their voices are as loud as the special interest because we're going to level out the playing field when you diminish the role of big money in politics so that then we can hear what Americans really want. Right now, we can't really hear it. And some people are saying, well, we hear that they want, you know, just continuation of what we've got. And some people say we've got we want a Medicare for all. But really, I think we can't really hear people's voices until we quiet down the ones that are too loud. Maybe Taylor Swift can help, you know, with this. (laughs) I feel like it's a it's a jump from, you know, calm down to like to quiet down the 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 loudness that the amplification of the role of money in politics. Let's clean that up first. First, let's clean up the revolving door between between the government and lobbyists. Like Elizabeth Warren 
was it yesterday or today, was talking to the uh, nominee for, help me out, he's from uh, Raytheon, Secretary of, can't even remember which cabinet position oh, this is. yeah. And um, she's asking him, will you... Yeah. Will you keep yourself out of any decisions mm-hmm. relating to where you come from? And he said, no, I no, won't. No, You know, so she's like, this is what's wrong with the revolving door. I mean, it happens everywhere mm-hmm. where members of, let's say, big agricultural companies will then go into the FDA or the USDA. And so now our water and our food and soil and all of that is dirtied mm-hmm. by by these industries. Um so let's clean all that up first. Yes. And, and then let's see. Well, what and I would say that we need to get a consensus on finding a unifying between the two wings of the Democratic Party, too, with that. And instead of, like, how progressive can we be? Because yep. I also think we run into the danger of getting moderate, middle-of-the-road voters who might be Republican or independent from going out and voting for the Democratic candidate because they're too afraid we're going to be putting in costly Medicare for all yes. and everything else. But Let's I think not do that yet. But I think everyone is on board, even a lot of Republicans, moderate Republicans and independents, on cleaning up the system because we see what Trump has done. Overturn Citizens United. Yes. Clean up. Yes. I mean, and use this last couple of years as like, look at all the ways yes. that this system is corrupt. And we need to go back and fix those so that this doesn't pervade our democracy and the fact any that longer. It's sort of a joke that Trump nominates and has people working in those cabinet positions that are the exact opposite of what they should be. You know, they work for big business, they work for big pharma, you know, they they work they lobby swamp right. They, they they work to almost undermine the system uh, of what they're there to do instead of the other way around. So yes. we should remove those people. We should be able to have people that are scientists and people that are, have the experience to be able to work in these departments and not to undermine them by, you know. And then I think that with lobbies. Republicans who are very weary of regulations, I think this gives us an opportunity to go back mm-hmm. and clean up some of the regulations and the rules like the federal government cannot negotiate on to get cheaper right, for Medicare. Right. That should so, be an, an, a given. Right. So first, let's clean up before mm-hmm. we try and add icing to a shit cake. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, we only have a few minutes, oh. and I did want to I, I did want to get your thoughts on uh, something that I saw uh, earlier this morning was the uh, passing of John Paul Stevens at ninety nine, who is a retired Supreme Court justice. I want to ask you first, Chelsea, on a give me the percentage of how likely it is that uh, President Trump thought that he was about to be able to have a new <laughs> Supreme Court appointee. <laughs> <laughs> Zero to a hundred. How likely do you think it is that he was he he made a call and was like, all right, let's get our next. Well, I was going to say Didn't guy or girl. That, what is it? Let's get our next Kagan guy. Was the yeah. one who went? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably pretty high. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, I hope that in this moment when we remember this justice, that we remember and take to heart. Um, his dissents in some pretty big decisions like Citizens United in Bush v. Gore, Mm -hmm. that what he warned us against came true. Yeah. And so um, I I hope that uh, Americans pay attention to, at least for a moment, what this man um, did, what he said, and then take to heart, you know, did he have a point and maybe should we, um, you know, re come up with with policy that corrects some of of what he thought would happen and that turned out to be true. Well, and also sort of the 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 last lineage of of picking supreme court justices where it wasn't politicized. 
where he was picked by President Ford in in right after Watergate, like 1975, and he became one of the most reliable liberal type votes on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I was so, surprised that Nixon was the one who made him a federal judge. In he the first made him place. a federal judge yeah. in the first place, exactly, and then Ford elevated him. Um, and and so it was one of those things where we've talked about too in the past where a lot of these Supreme Court justices that are appointed by one political party end up being more moderate or the opposite of what they the, the presidents or the, the political parties in power at the time thought. But here was a real pure jurist that they really don't make in that mold anymore because these judges have become so much more politicized over the years. As we've seen, it's become so much more extreme. And here was someone who really took his job seriously um, and really deliberated seriously too. And it's kind of a, a, not only a passing of, of him but of an era of where we had judges that were not politicized and where you could feel that you had faith and trust in the Supreme Court where you don't necessarily feel that anymore because of the way it's become so political. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's and it's sad because that's kind of a passing of an era now because that was really someone, I mean, you know, that, that you saw that was picked by the opposite party who was, you know, that either has right. now retired but has now passed away. And I find it interesting that... Obviously, like you're saying, his personal beliefs, obviously that's going to factor into some extent when you consider a decision. But I, I was reading that last year he wrote an op-ed for The New York Times where he was calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment. So I don't feel like he – well, I guess not legislated, but I, I, I felt like that wasn't really something that was on his agenda. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, a lot of the Supreme Court justices, some of them maybe unfairly, uh, get – you know, get characterized as though they're up there with a specific agenda. It's, if that's something he felt strongly about, I don't think, and I would have to read through a lot of decisions, that was something that he was actively working towards. So I just think it was it's interesting that he had that belief, but obviously we're no closer to that uh, than when he was well, still on the court. Well, and he retired almost yeah. a decade ago. Sure. But he also was very big on abortion rights and keeping that legal as well. And uh, again, appointed by, and of course at the time, if we were looking at it, like Ford and really Nixon to some degree would be Democrats in today's world. Um, <laughs> Ford was just very moderate and, and came from a very yeah, moderate. LBJ would probably the, be the, a Republican. So yeah, it came from the, <laughs> came from the, the, the sort of Rockefeller Republican, yeah. so, you know, Nelson Rockefeller was his VP, but you know, came from a very moderate where, you know, at the time, like new England and everything was, that that was where the moderate Republican power base was. But it's still interesting to see that and see that we had someone that was beyond political. Um, so, you know, that was sad to see that passing. But I also want to say the breaking news is that they decided not to move forward with the impeachment vote in the House today, and 195 Democrats tabled that as well. So so the vote was to not actually vote, basically. Yeah, okay. to, not, to table it. Uh, and essentially, like we talked about, which is better we already did the censor we at least not censor but had already said this was you've wrong. you've made a statement you've made a statement yeah, now let's, condemned it. let's save impeachment for the bigger things that are to come so i think that was a smart decision on the democrats side um and we'll see what happens well with thank the, you for that thank you for contempt votes for staying plugged in uh we are about to be unplugged mm-hmm. thank you oh. but mm-hmm. uh we will be back next week as i mentioned at the top of the show we'll be back wednesday at two pacific five eastern uh, in theory, 
Mueller's going to talk yes. that day, but uh, then the week after will be the debate. So we'll uh, give you those particulars next Mueller week. But time. thank mm-hmm. you to everyone who uh, joined us in the chat, wherever they were visiting from, whatever pond they crossed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, Scott, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at sman80. That's sman80. And Chelsea at Chelsea Galicia. And you can find me at Christian DMZ. Thanks so much to everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.